Well, welcome to the first Sunday in Lent and welcome to my kitchen. You know, when you're not feeling well, you decide to record a sermon instead of coming in. So it's great to be here with you. And somehow being in a kitchen is appropriate for our topic today. You see, every, every Lent season, and that is the 40 days other than Sundays heading up into Easter, a staff team gets together and decides what, what's going to be our topic that's going to bring us to the cross this year. And we as a staff team decided we would look at the I am's of Jesus. Those phrases, those characteristics he uses to talk about himself, who he is. It stems back to Exodus chapter 3, when Moses first meets God in the burning bush. And Moses, God has asked Moses to go save the people the Israelites who are in Egypt, get them out of that land, get them free. And Moses starts coming up with all his excuses. <clears throat> it's a great chapter if you want to read it, Exodus 3. And one of them is, well, who, who should I say is sending me? What's your name? And God answers him this, I am who I am. I am has sent you. And so that's where I, Jesus seems to continue these phrases, I am. He is part of the Trinity. He has every right to use that phrase. So there's seven of them in total. And just to give you a glimpse, we have the light of the world, the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, the life, the true vine, the resurrection and the life, and the one we're starting with today. And I'm quite excited about diving into each one of these as we head to Easter together. So today we're going to spend time in John chapter 6, which leads us beautifully into our communion this morning. <clears throat> and as we head to that passage, we of course need the Holy Spirit to guide us. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we start to look at these incredible words of Jesus and what they mean and spend time trying to understand the depth and the breadth of them, we ask for your presence. Lord Jesus, these are your words. Help us to treat them as sacred as when you said them. So be present, Father God, and stir each of our hearts and minds and souls to hear exactly what you know we need to hear today. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, John chapter 6 has 66 verses in it, so we're not going to look at them all. But it is an amazing chapter. I encourage you to read it, the whole thing, today, tomorrow. So that's John chapter 6. And it starts with Jesus feeding the 5,000 men. And of course, there were even more people because they didn't count the women and the children. Fed all of them with two fish, five loaves of bread that all came from one little boy. Everyone had their fill, 12 baskets of food left over. Now, I think it's interesting to note that along with the resurrection, this is the only other miracle of Jesus that is recorded in all four Gospels. It's important. So the people wanted to take him by force and make him king, and, and Jesus knew that is not his purpose, to be an earthly king. So he took off to the mountains all alone with God. The disciples hid it across the Sea of Galilee. The storm came up. Jesus walks across the water to them. And the next day, the people are looking for him. They get in their boats. They go across the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> That's pretty exciting, isn't it? And we're only on verse 31. 
So we're going to start at verse 31 um, and jump a bit, but these are kind of the key verses for what Jesus is saying to us in one of his I am statements. Verse 31 of John 6. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now that's the crowd talking to Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We're going to jump to verse 47. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And we'll wrap up with one more verse, verse 58. This is the bread that has come down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. Bread. Is there anything more common in the world? Throughout recorded history and around the world, it is an important staple, part of everybody's diet. The oldest evidence of bread making has been found in the country of Jordan, 14,500 years ago. And what people have discovered is around 12,000 years ago, with the entrance of the Neolithic age and the spread of agriculture, more and more evidence of grain-based bread is found. Now in scripture, we also read about bread before Jesus came to earth. And here are just two examples for you. Well, one includes Jesus. The one before is referenced in our verses that uh, we read earlier. And what's recorded in Exodus, remember God, the burning bush, saying, I am, to Moses? Eventually, Moses gets the people out of Egypt, and they're wandering in the wilderness. They end up wandering for 40 years. There's not a lot of food in the wilderness. And so God provides daily manna for his people, and they make bread from it. The people trusted God's life-sustaining provision for them in the wilderness, because he did provide them this daily bread. So that's one instant. And at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right before he starts, right after he's baptized, but before he heads into ministry, he's in the wilderness for 40 days, not eating, not drinking. And he's tempted by the devil three times. The first one of those, the devil knew he was hungry, physically hungry. And so the devil said, well, go ahead, turn these stones into bread and you you will eat. And Jesus answered by stating what scripture says, man shall not live by bread alone. Now he's actually quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3, where it is recorded, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I believe Jesus has been incredibly intentional about choosing bread 
as one of his titles. For the Israelites of Jesus' times, it referenced back to manna and God providing them something that helped them live physically day by day. It's historically significant about God's provision. And for today, we can see that there is bread everywhere in the world, across cultures and across time. So this is something that everyone can relate to. Physical bread sustains our physical body, but the bread of life, Jesus Christ, sustains our souls. So the good news of Jesus being the bread of life is for everyone, for all time, our salvation and our relationship with Jesus is essential to our existence and it's necessary for entirety, eternity, the bread of life. See, we will not be satisfied spiritually unless we know Jesus Christ, unless we have Jesus, the bread of life, in our lives. We cannot survive spiritually without him. He alone is the true source of our spiritual life in the present world, and he talks about in the next The bread of life never perishes, never goes moldy, never spoils, never dries out, and it never runs out. It's always present. Always. Now, bread, I think, is an amazing thing because it involves all of our senses. And I I, I think think of the great bread-making fads of 2020, right? How many of you learned how to make bread from scratch for the first time? I've actually been making it for years, but... Well, I stop because it's really fattening, but it's, I love making bread. And so many people have started, learned a couple of years ago, what all goes into that process and how it involves every one of our senses. And I think we can use that to learn more about God and our response to the bread of life. That title that Jesus gives himself. Now, the first thing about bread You don't even have to see it, you can smell it. When I unwrapped this, I didn't make this one. When I unwrapped this, I smelt the bread. Is there any better smell than baking bread? And you love walking into a bakery and just taking it in. Well, Ephesians 5, 2, Paul writes, live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So it's a reminder. The smell of bread is a reminder of Jesus taking on our sins so that we could live forever with him. The smell. Now what's our response to that? That part of the bread of life. 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul writes, For we are, the, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So we are to bring the aroma of the bread of life to others. Live as Jesus did, full of love, compassion, mercy. Be the aroma of Christ. So that's the smell. And then we use our eyes, don't we? Our next sense. And we can see the bread. If you've made it by hand, you've watched it rise and rise again. 
and then it goes in the oven and it starts to turn a beautiful color. You see the lightness appear, the expansion of it beyond what seemed possible when you first mixed it up. And it's a great reminder of the sight part that we haven't seen God. We can't this side of heaven. But, in, but Paul writes to the people in Colossia, he writes, he, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So read the Gospels to see who, see Jesus, and hence see who God is. Imagine the scenes. I love the, the narratives because you can see him sitting on the hills. You can see him reaching out to people. You can hear his teachings. See, use your sight to see and read about Jesus. And then our response in 1 John 4.12, John writes, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. So people can't see God, but they see us. Do they see the bread of life in us? What do they see? Do they see godly love? Do they see humility and grace and reaching out? Or do they see self-centeredness, arrogance, lies, and so much more that is not from the bread of life? With the bread of life, God lives in us, and people should see his love in us. Okay, so then it's the touch. You can feel the bread in your hands. If it's just out of the oven, you can feel the warmth. You can feel the weight and the texture and the crumbleness. You can feel it. And that reminds me of the countless times that Jesus touched other people. And when he did that, he physically healed them. He let them see. He let them be healed from sicknesses. He brought people back to life. He brought people back into society. He healed them. So read the Gospels and look specifically at those times that Jesus, it says, he reached out and touched. And he transformed lives. Like he has done with ours when we accept this bread of life. So our response to this aspect, to this sense of touch with the bread of life, bring the warmth of Jesus into every interaction you have with people no matter where that is. Bring his healing to those around you. Who needs to know this Jesus? Who needs their spirit healed? Who needs relationships healed? Be the healing presence of Jesus Christ with them. Go. All right. <clears throat> Two more senses to go. I left the best one for last. See if you guess what it is. This one is sound. Now with many breads, you can kind of guess if it's done, but unlike meat, you don't have a thermometer to stick it in and see. So you take it out, you tap the bottom. And if it sounds slightly hollow, your bread is done. There's also amazing sound 
when you pull it apart. And the crispier and crustier, the better. But there's a sound when you pull it apart too, or you cut it and you're ready to share it. Now there's countless words of God recorded in the Bible. Read, read scripture, look for what God says to people. In times of trouble, he is there. In times of rejoicing, he is there. He speaks to people. Now, if you're like me, I have countless conversations with people that say, I just want God to speak very clearly, like a thunderbolt to me. I want it to be very, very, very clear. And God doesn't often do that. I love how at the beginning of scripture, it says um, in Genesis 3, they, that's being Adam and Eve, who are hiding from God, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. God was gently seeking Adam and Eve, and he gently seeks to walk with us. Listen for the sound of him. And in 1 Kings 19, there's a great story of Ezekiel, I mean Elijah, sorry, who um, had run away because someone was going to kill him. And he hides and he wants to hear from God. And as scripture goes on, they said, he did not come to him in the wind. God did not come to him in the earthquake, not in the fire, but in the silence. Perhaps the silence is where God wants to speak to you. And our response after we listen, whether it's through hearing God's word in scripture or from someone else or in the silence, what stirs in your soul, we need to think of our own words. What's the sound we make? What words do you say to yourself or do you say to others? Do they include God saying, you are my beloved? Are your words to others life-giving, sustaining, encouraging, or are they sarcastic and mean? What, are, what is the sound we hear and we make? And then our ultimate invitation as we head to communion is to taste. And in Psalm 34, 8, I love this verse. Very simple. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The bread of life is good. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Taste. So our response to this, do we enter into this invitation to taste and take the bread of life? Do we just pick at crumbs? Do we just nibble, kind of afraid, tentative, to really accept the bread of life? I once went to an Orthodox service, and I loved how they did the Eucharist. Because when they went up, their bread wasn't cut in neat little pieces or in little wafers, or they didn't come up and just pull off a little bit that you truly can't put in the cup if it's too little. They were pre-wrapped into big pieces. They fit in your hand like this big. That's grasping. That's taking. That's tasting who Jesus Christ is, who this bread of life is, as he asks us to, with our whole beings, every sense, 
fully taste. So Jesus, the bread of life, he permeates every part of our being, like the bread affects and infuses every one of our senses. Jesus himself gave his disciples and continues to give to us instructions of how to eat this bread and how we drink this cup in communion to remind us of the bread of life that Jesus Christ is, that he brought us into eternal life. We will partake of this in just a minute. Now, once we believe in Jesus, the bread of life, and allow his presence to saturate every part of our being, something else happens to us. And I love Paul has a scripture that says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in this one bread. That's from 1 Corinthians 10, 17. We live in unity because of this bread of life that unites us. Now, I've had communion in a variety of countries around the world, and many that are not in a language I know. And yet, it's incredible that because we are all one body, saturated by the bread of life, I knew exactly what was going on when we partake of the bread, the body of Christ, and we took the cup, the blood of Christ. We gather together as a large community, as individual small communities, united in being all part of this bread. Now you may be at a place right now when you have not truly met this bread of life, you haven't quite accepted that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And as scripture says, and Jesus invites us, take and eat now. Perhaps you have ex accepted Jesus and you've embraced him along the way, yet the things are, your senses are becoming dull to him. Your relationship with the bread of life is waning. And as the crowd said in our scripture we read earlier, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Keep asking. When you feel your spirit getting weak, keep asking. The bread of life will sustain your spirit. John Piper has a great quote. He said, The cost of food in the kingdom is hunger for the bread of life. The cost of food in the kingdom is hunger for the bread of life. The bread of life, Jesus Christ, the only one who can satisfy our spirits, who permeates our whole being with his essence, like bread does to our senses. This is the beginning of our journey towards the cross, when Jesus makes our eternal life possible by taking on all of our sin and inviting us back into a relationship with God. We remember that every time we have communion and we physically hold the bed and we drink from the cup and we're heading there now. And as Mother Teresa reminded us, Jesus has made himself the bread of life to give us life. Night and day, he is there. If you really want to grow in love, come back to the Eucharist, come back to that adoration. 
So let us enter into that adoration together. So as we head into communion, I just want to read you something from um, a wonderful book that helps you really examine the Lord's Supper and the Christian life. It's called Sunday Dinner, and it's by William Willimon. To all those who cry with the psalmist, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Jesus gives an invitation to his feast of life with the thundering words. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. This gracious invitation puts all our eating and drinking in proper perspective. No longer need we satiate ourselves in selfish gluttony, stuffing our faces in a vain attempt to fill our empty hearts. No longer need we drink ourselves into dizzy stupors in attempts to take away the pain, to relieve the hurt, to make ourselves forget. We are loved. Our God has come to us. Our God prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies and invites us to the head table at the feast. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, when you said, I am the bread of life, we listen. We want to understand more and more deeply what that means. Help us every time we have communion and pick up that bread. Remember those words of yours and invite your presence into every part of our being as bread permeates every one of our senses. May this communion be a moment of decision or redecision to accept the bread of life that you so freely offer. Help us to be present as we partake. And we ask this all in your precious, gracious name. Amen.